morning, new community. We have the privilege of hosting uh, Steffi Nobles Beans this morning. Uh, when we first looked at uh, who could join us for the fall, uh, Russ said, uh, can we just make sure we get Mama Beans? <laughs> so we did. Uh, she has graciously offered to join us this morning, and God's put a word on her heart uh, for our community. Um, Mama Beans has been serving in this city as a pastor for 20 years uh, and has been serving at Whitworth for 26 as our chaplain, and that's how I know her as Mama Beans. I have got uh, just a brief story that I think says a lot. Um, I had had a very difficult conversation with a student uh, she was housing insecure, she was food insecure, and I didn't quite know where my line was as a new professor. I wasn't sure how much I should step in and who I should talk to to maybe get this young lady some help, and it was heavy on my heart leaving class. And if you've ever been on the Whitworth campus, you know there are all of these pathways that intersect, and I came up at an intersection and literally my head was down and I'm thinking and I'm praying and I'm asking God, how do we help this young lady? And I just about ran into Mama Beans. She didn't know me from Adam. She looked at me and she goes, mm-mm, it's too heavy. Whatever you're carrying, it's too heavy. And then she steps a little bit closer and she says, you let Jesus in. You let Jesus in, you let Jesus do the work. What needs to happen? And so I shared it with her. And she shared with me her insight, her wisdom. And we got this young lady sorted out with some help before the day was out. That intersection, that moment, and it was that spiritual understanding of what I needed to hear and what was heavy on my heart. And then the absolutely practical follow-up. What do we need to do? And so it is my great privilege to invite up Mama Beans this morning. Can you come on up? I'd like to pray for you. Lord, your family is a beautiful place to be. And we are so grateful this morning to hear from a woman of wisdom, a woman who knows your voice, who knows your heart, and has been walking it and living it for a long time. Lord, would you open our hearts this morning to hear what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, thankful and grateful to be in the house of God this morning. I told my church family I am visiting another church this morning, and I was always like, are you coming back? Yeah, I'm coming back. Uh, I have been an assistant pastor to the church of Baraka up on 25th and Grand. It's right down from Manitou Park. It's a little, I like a little green roof cobblestone church, and I just love it. I wish we had this many people in our church on a Sunday morning. Ooh, and it's like, whoa, this is really nice, you know. But thank God that you had a desire to want to be here this morning. And as I was just bathing in the worship this morning, I am a praise and worship leader uh, in my church. And I, I was thinking about is that I felt a little heaviness 
when I walked in. Some people are heavy this morning. Something is going on in your, in your heart. And I'm like, Lord, what do I say before I go in? And all I thought about the song that my mother would sing and she would say, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing I could have ever done. You see, in his arms, I feel so protected, and in his arms, I'll never be disconnected. In his arms, I feel so protected, it's the best thing I could have ever done, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing, it's the best thing, it's the best thing I could have ever done. Because there was a time in my life, I am a PK's kid. I've always known about Jesus, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And so there's a scripture says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So my testimony is this. I fell in love with Jesus when I was five years old. I refused to let my parents sit beside me because I told them that's where Jesus sat. And then at the age of 11, I told my daddy, I want to be baptized. And my father was so excited and he said, are you sure? I said, I want to be baptized. I want to know who God is. And at the ripe old age of 12 years old, I went through the baptismal class. I was so excited. And then a couple of weeks later, my father said, are you ready? I said, Daddy, I'm ready. I'm from Dallas, Texas. I'm a Southern girl. I said, I'm ready, Daddy. And as I put on my baptismal robe, there my mother was sitting on the side. And my mother, both of my parents now reside in heaven 101. I don't like to talk about my parents in the past because they're in my future. And there my mother was as I stepped in the water. And my mother said, take me to the waters. Take me to the waters. Take me to the waters to be baptized. She said, I know you got religion. I know you got religion. I know you got religion. And now you're saved. I was so excited. 
I was so excited. Now I was going to have this relationship with the Lord. And so my daddy said, now your sins are all washed away, baby. Now you can, you can walk in this newness of Christ. But how many of you know that we have an enemy? Oh, he's peeked into your future. He knows a little bit about those of us who have fallen in love with the Lord. So at the ripe old age of 13, the enemy struck my life. It turned my life upside down. Just imagine being a 13-year-old girl, and because we have children here, I can just say my life changed by the hands of a perpetrator. My life changed. I was 13. How could I say that I love Jesus? And I said, Jesus, why would you let this happen to me? I don't know about you, but I got mad at God. And because I was mad at God, I let the spirit of unforgiveness settle in my heart. And so... I just started on a journey of not talking to God. I was mad. I was angry. I had been hurt. And just when you think that life is going to be okay, years later, I got married, pregnant with our second child, thinking everything was going to be okay, and then it happened again. 17, what is going on? What? I'm married now. I'm a good girl. What's going on? How could you let this happen? I know some of you have asked that question. God, why? Why are you letting things like this happen to me? See, it started me on a journey of, I thought, of no return. And then God had the audacity to call me into ministry. I was like, uh-uh. Oh, no. Oh, you got the wrong girl. Not that I didn't think that I could preach the word of God, but I thought that I was unworthy. And so I want to share with you this morning the power of forgiveness. It took me on a journey. Unforgiveness can do some damage to you. If you let it, and I let it, for years I let it, it took me on a journey where it set up in my heart because I was plain and simply mad, and I thought it was God's fault. This is your fault. I'll never preach the gospel. I'll never go back to church. I'll never pick up my Bible. I'll never, never, I should have went to Neverland. Years passed and all I heard were whispers from the enemy. You're not good enough to do what for who? But then one day, I was standing in line. I'm a poet, don't you know it? I can rhyme at the drop of a dime. I can do it. It's so sublime. I do it anytime. 
Starbucks had just opened in Valdosta, Georgia. I had not talked to the Lord in a long time. But I wrote poetry all the time, but it wasn't about godly things. It was just like, oh, life is good. The trees are green. The grass is green. The flowers are pretty. And a young lady by the name of Yolanda Frazier, she said, Stephanie, have you ever thought about God lately? I'm like, mm, that's another conversation. She said, I'm thinking about walking away from our church. I don't think God loves me anymore. My marriage is bad. The children are acting up. I just want to give up. I said, oh, and something kind of went bloop. And the Lord said, Steffi, I said, uh-uh. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. But, you know, God knows the things that we like, and he know I love coffee. <laughs> How many love coffee? <laughs> oh, I'm a coffee girl. And so he said, Psst. And I call them downloads. He said, this young lady's in trouble and you need to help her out. I'm like, I'm gone, have some coffee. He said, no, I want you to recite this poem that I'm giving you right now. And here we are in the midst of about 40 people waiting in line in Starbucks. And he gives me this amazing poetry. Now, I've written about 3,500 poems. But this one particular poem, it changed my life. I said, Yolanda. God just gave me a poem to give to you. And she's like, you're right. What is it? I said, I know what coffee tastes like. I like the aroma and the flavor. But nothing can compare to my Lord and my Savior. You see, coffee, it can taste so good right to the very last cup. But I know that it is the master who loves me, for it is he who wakes me up. You see, the coffee bean is grown in a very special way, but it is the master who leads and guides me each and every day. I said, so Yolanda, we'll drink our coffee and maybe one day we'll stop. But the love, it hit me. The love, the love I have for the master is good to the very last drop. I fell on my knees at Starbucks. It was the love. I had suffered so long, I forgot about his love. And in return, he wanted to remind me of the love that he had for me through a simple poem. That young lady turned to me, and she fell on her knees. And here are two black women in Starbucks, in the parking lot, saying, you really do love us, Lord. It changed my journey. You see, I didn't want to forgive because I had too much pain. I had, allowed, I had allowed pain to blind how much God really loved me. I had allowed pain to take me down a journey where I tried to commit suicide not once, not twice, but three times. I had allowed unforgiveness to set up camp like a warm winter's blanket and wrap itself around me that when I tried to get out, it had encapsulated me and it said, no, we're going to stay right here. We're going to stay right here in front of the fireplace of unforgiveness. We're going to stay in the fireplace of you're going to hate. And he couldn't say God. Something about the enemy, he can't say God. 
He said, you know who you can't stand. It was his fault that it happened to you. And I began to struggle with that again and again until one day I dared to go in my room and pick up the Bible. It was almost like it was stinging. Didn't want to touch it. Didn't want to look at it. And I kept saying, but God, why did you let this happen to me? It's important. I love the idea of all these beautiful children here. You know, because the Word of God says, train up a child in a way that he should go. For when he is old, he would not depart from it. My parents had poured the Word of God in me as a little girl. I love reading. I'm a bookworm. How many bookworms? How many little children? How many bookworms in here? Y'all like reading? Oh, yeah. Oh, you got some smart kids up in here. I love reading. Then my father said, Stephanie, never get to a point that you don't pick up the Bible. I hadn't picked up the Bible in years. But something about when that word is poured inside of you, it's like stovetop stuffing. It's in there. It's in there. Even though when we reject God and when we're mad at God, if you have this relationship, I don't believe in religion, because if you look up religion in the Hebrew word, guess what religion means? To keep one in bondage. I wanted to go back and have this relationship with God. So I picked up the Bible. I said, God, you've got to give me something. I don't know what to do because I'm mad at you. This is your fault. And out of the heavens. He said, you go to John 10, 10, daughter. And I went to John 10, 10, and it simply says, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Oh, I started tearing that scripture up. The thief, the thief, the enemy, Satan, the adversary, I was like, oh, it's something to this. And I just stopped there. I said, okay, the thief, and we know that God is not a thief. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's God Almighty. He's El Shaddai. He's Jehovah Shalom, Prince of Peace. The thief had stole my peace. The thief had stole my joy. Ah, the thief had taken so much. And then when the Lord said, Steffi, guess what? He didn't take it. You gave it to him. I realize that the enemy has no power over us. The only power he has is what we relinquish to him, what we give to him. We give him our joy. We give him our peace. And I was like, okay, I hear what you're saying. So I started this journey of picking up my word. And I want to leave you with this thought God gave me seven steps. See, I'm Pentecostal. I'm a long-winded preacher, but I knew I was coming to see y'all this morning. <laughs> we still be singing and praising and shouting and going on. Uh, yeah, about right about this time. <laughs> we ain't even got to the word yet. But as my mama say, I'm going to hit it and quit it. I'm going to leave you with this. If you have some unforgiveness in your heart. And you know that you do. As my mama said, you know who you are. I'm reminded when we take Holy Communion, 
I was going to get up and take communion. I said, no, not yet. I'll tell you when. When you look at the cross and you think of what the father had his son do, he said, this is my body broken for you for the wholeness and the wellness. When he took those stripes up on his back, that was to bring us wholeness and wellness for the brokenness that's in our life. And when I began to take communion again, he said, I took those stripes for you, that pain that you suffered, those two times that that happened to you, I took that pain for you. And I said, Lord, I will do this in remembrance of you. And then he said, in the same manner, he took the cup. He said, and this is for the forgiveness of sins. He said, you got to forgive, Steffi. I said, I can't. The pain was too bad. My innocence was taken at 13. How can I forgive someone who did that not once but twice in my life? He said, Steffi, forgive. He said, because the forgiveness is not only for them, daughter, the forgiveness is for he says, as in often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. And so, I take Holy Communion every day. It's by my bed because I'm reminded of the forgiveness of sin. I'm reminded of the stripes that he took on his back just for me and just for you. And I said, God, I... Thank you that this forgiveness is going to bring me life. So I'm going to leave you with seven points if you're struggling with forgiveness. Number one, acknowledge that you have been hurt. Whoever has wounded you and hurt you, you have to acknowledge that you have been hurt. And you have to acknowledge that it's not your fault. And you have to acknowledge that John 10, 10 said, it is the thief who cometh to kill, steal, and destroy. Because see, when the enemy peeks into your future, he wants to stop it. He wants to halt it. He wants you to have no destiny and no purpose for the building of God's kingdom. We are kingdom builders, not worldly builders, but we're building the kingdom of God. And I said, Lord, I thank you. Number two, consider forgiving. I had to consider how the hurt and the pain had affected me. The word consider is key here because it involves thinking before making a decision. I had to think about this thing. I had to sit in this thing to say, forgive or not to forgive? That's the question. And I wasn't ready right away. It took me a couple of more times to keep going to the Word of God. That is why it is so important to study, to show thyself approved. Workmen need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. We have to study the Word of God because you know what? You guys got a future here. You have a legacy sitting here, all these beautiful children. What are we going to tell them when something happens and we don't have an answer to the solution, to the problem? Because some of them will be hurt in their lifetime. God forbid anything horrible happens to our children. But things happen in this world, and we have to have the Word of God to prepare them to say, baby, this is what thus saith the Lord. And as I began to consider the pain, 
the hurt, the shame, it had changed a whole lot in me. It was detrimental, but I had to consider because after I consider, guess what? I accepted. I accepted that I could not change what had happened to me. Some of you got some things going in your life right now. You can't change it if you tried. I can't go back and get 8 o'clock this morning if I tried. But I had to accept it. I had to admit my, to myself that I was angry towards the people who had hurt me. And number four, I had to determine whether I was going to forgive or not. And I had not the opportunity to think, hmm, am I going to think with a worldly mind or am I going to think with a godly mind? Because the Word of God tells us, be not conformed to this world. But be what? Ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I had to get into the Word of God. How do I transform my mind? How do I say, God, can I, can I really forgive these people who hurt me? And the more I got into the Word, the deeper I got into the Word, guess what? My heart began to transform because my mind began to transform. I began to say, God, I'm determined. I'm determined to give you my life again. Because guess what? When you look at John 10, 10, it says the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill and destroy. But he said, but I, <laughs> I, I, who is that I? Jesus. Who is that I? Messiah. Who is that I? God Almighty. Who is that I? I come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Oh, I said, oh, I think I'm ready to live now. The abundant living is what God wants us to have. Things are going to happen in our life. Cancer is going to happen. Death is going to happen. I love the fact that in 2007, I went home to Dallas, Texas. My sister called me. She says, you need to come home. Mama is sick. She didn't tell us that she had terminal cancer. That little southern belle, she was a rough little sister. And I went home and I said, what is going on with you, Mildred? She said, well, I got cancer. It's terminal. And I'm going home to be with Jesus. I said, but mama, why didn't you tell us? She said, what were you going to do? You couldn't do <laughs> I mean, we had this deep conversation. And that was in February. In June, my sister called me. She said, you got to get home, mama. I'm the oldest of four. She said, you got to get home. Mama wants you. I get home. I'm talking about life and life more abundantly when you have a relationship with God. I get home. My mother's laying in bed, and she has long, beautiful silver hair. My mother was part native or is part native. And I go in. I said, Millie, and she opens up her eyes. I said, what's going on? She said, how you doing, Mary? I'm like, Mary. She said, gotcha. I'm like, okay. I thought she was getting delusional or something. And she said, baby, we need to have the talk. See, my father had died in 1986 at a young age of 59. I will be 68 next Saturday. I outlived my daddy. I said, I said, okay, mama, we talked. I gave her her shower. I put her in bed, and we began to talk. 
And I wasn't too afraid of losing my mom, but I was afraid of losing my mama. And so she said, baby, you remember all that stuff you went through when you was a little girl? I said, yeah, mama. She said, I'm so sorry. I wish I could have prevented it. I said, you know, you couldn't have stopped it if you wanted to, but it made me a better woman. She said, and it made you come back to Jesus too, didn't it? I said, yes, mama. And she reminded me of the scripture in the book of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. But in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. She said, baby, God got a pathway for you, and I know I'm not going to be here to see it. She said, God got you, but I want to tell you one thing. There are some other things going to happen in your life that you have no control over, but you trust God with it. And I said, Lord, I thank you. So after acknowledging the people who had hurt me, after I considered after I accepted, after I determined, number five, I had to repent. I had to repent that I was mad at God. I had to repent that I was angry and unforgiving of the people who had hurt me. And God had given me Psalms 51, created me a clean heart. I renew a right spirit within me. Oh, he started cleaning out that heart. That heart I had was ugly. That heart became hardened. I became cynical towards people. And they said, that is not you. I said, well, it's me right now. But how many know when God loves you, he will not leave you the same. So after I repented, then I lamented. I began to cry. I went to Mount Spokane. That's how long it took me to forgive. I was in my late 30s. I went to Mount Spokane doing a women's retreat. And they had a mountain up there. And let me tell you, I went to the edge of that mountain, and I began to shake my fist at God. I said, I'm mad at you. I'm angry at you. I almost wanted to say, I hate you, but it wouldn't come out because he knew I loved him. But out of my mouth came this scream that sounded like a wounded animal. The women came running out of the retreat center like, oh, my God, we thought an animal was out here. It was me letting out, come on, letting out that anger and that hurt that I had. And let me tell you, when I got up off all fours, <laughs> I was free. I lamented. I cried. I said, I don't, I don't want to be in this condition anymore. And after I lamented, number seven, I forgave. I was able to forgive to the people who had hurt me so deeply, to the people who had taken my innocence, to the people who thought that they were going to destroy my life. I said, I forgive them, Lord, because I am reminded what Jesus said in Luke 23 and 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not And so I ministered to women. See, out of your misery can come your ministry. I'm a domestic violence and sexual assault advocate for the state of Washington. I ministered to women who have been wounded and hurt. I had a transition house for nine years called Fields of Diamonds, House of Blessings for Women and Children of Abuse. We closed in 2017. 28 women and 25 children lived with me during that period. 
I was able to love on them with those women because I had walked in their shoes. They were able to understand, and I was able to understand their pain. And through all of that, those women got healed, became viable citizens back in the community, and guess what? You teach one to reach one. Some of them are now advocates for domestic violence and sexual assault. Out of your ministry can come, out of your misery can come your ministry. Mother Teresa said this, if we really want to love, if we really want to love, we must learn to forgive. I use that every now and then when someone offends me, or someone's hurt me. If we really want to love, we must learn to forgive. But there's also a writer, and I'm closing with this. He simply said this. The late Louis Smitty said this. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and only discover that the prisoner was you. I'm no longer a prisoner to myself because the word of God says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If you have the spirit of unforgiveness, ask God to heal your broken heart because we couldn't change it if we wanted to. In this life, we're going to have things that happen to us that we cannot change. But the one thing we can do is change our mind by being transformed by the renewing of our mind. God bless you this morning. I hope and pray that you will have a blessed day today, that if you do have that spirit of unforgiveness, hey, call me up. I'll share with you once again. God bless you this morning.